warning, the Paper Cuts podcast has bad language and spoilers, so cover your freaking ears. You are now listening to the Paper Cuts comic podcast with Dean DeFalco, Dan Ryan, Evan Goldstein, and Matt Munch. For the comic podcast with the most personality this side of the galaxy, it'll always be Paper Cuts. Over to you, Dan. Thanks, announcer guy, and thank you for checking out the Paper Cuts podcast, issue 104. Do you want more? I know that you do. I am your host, Dan Ryan, and joining me this week is the perfectly glorious 10, Mr. Dean DeFalco. Can you handle this? Can you handle this? Can you handle this? Can you handle this? See, what's going to be awesome is when the two of them come out, it's going to be, can you handle this? Can you handle this? But it's going to go, can you handle this? Can you? No way, Jose. Like, they're going to jump in. It's going to be fucking awesome. Uh, I'm really uh, all excited. I, all I can say is I, I can't wait till you till you watch Saturday. Oh, I'm really fucking That's all excited. That's all I can say. Yay, wrestling talk. <laughs> no paper cuts this week. We're just going to talk about wrestling. Would anyone really care? I don't know. <laughs> they might. I, they might not. I don't know. Oh, I mean, boy. you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll put in our our challenge podcast out to uh, to Tiger Driver ninety one. We'll do a little Tiger Driver eighty seven and be like, fucking what? I like it. Eighty seven. That's a good number, man. It's dope as I fuck. Think, I think that was the other Tiger Driver. Fuck, I should have looked that up before I'm talking <laughs> shit. Oh, well. anyway. So, uh, Mr. DeFalco. Yes. This week we read uh, we read a bunch of books, and uh, <laughs> let, let, well, we're just we're just gonna start. We with, read uh, four books and one thing. I toilet paper, maybe. <laughs> we're we're gonna start with uh, with homies number one. So, uh, okay, here's the thing. Back in the the day. Uh, which was a Wednesday, by the way, in case you were in case you were wondering. That's not. I was wondering. I'm glad you've <laughs> cleared that up. Thank you. Uh, back in the day, about 10, 15 years ago, maybe you used to be able to go to your local Acme or Shoprite or Pathmark or let's see, uh, Piggly Wiggly, Stop or and Shop, Grand Union, Stop and Shop, Grand Union, H E B. Publix, a bunch of different, like I'm trying to just think of grocery store. I don't know any West Coast I, I grocery ran out, stores. So you got them all. <laughs> I'm out. Um, you used to be able to go to grocery stores, and in the front of a grocery store or a Toys R Us or someplace like that, they had those quarter machines. There was always a bunch of shitty toys in there, right? Like some junk, but you would hit up mom and dad for a quarter and you'd get a fucking bouncy ball or some other bullshit, right? It was fun for those seven minutes till you bounced the ball too far and you never saw it again. <laughs> yeah, like on the way out of the Kmart, you fucking bounced the ball and it like hit a rock and jettisoned off into fucking space <laughs> and you're crying and your parents are like, shut the fuck up and get in the car. God damn it, I gotta go home and crack open a natty light. Oh. And you're like, oh fuck, alcoholism. It's not funny, but it kind of is. Every Kmart it- trip, it's okay, it's cool. <laughs> it's Every cool. goddamn time. <laughs> I would come back just fucking tears and natty ice. Um. Anyway, so they these quarter machines, right? Always had shitty toys. And then, along about 15 years ago, there were homies. And homies were little, like, one inch at the most tall plastic figurines of the most stereotypical... Mexican culture iconography that you can possibly think of. Like, if they had not been made by a Hispanic man, 
these would have been the single most offensive things ever put out. At least they were made by a Spanish dude. Like, that at least makes me feel a little better. And, yeah, and they were fucking cool, man. They like, were They cool. were really cool. I had a shit ton of these things because I thought they were so weird that this was a thing I could go for like a quarter or 50 cents, get one of these little fucking figurines. I had them just fucking all over the place. I thought they were hysterical that, that it was a thing that existed. But they were they were about as big a flash in the pan as you could possibly have. They were around for a year um, of like booming popularity and they stuck around for a time after that. They tried to expand the line with like a little kid version of it with Mijos, um, which was didn't do as well. And then they all but up and disappeared. And you didn't hear shit about the homies anymore. Until, until this week. Until this week, and Dynamite Entertainment puts out Homies Number 1 by David Gonzalez, Elliot Serrano, and Andrew Huerta, who uh, I believe two of these three guys, or maybe just one of the three, is like the original creator or was involved. I didn't do a lot of research because, let's fucking face it, it's a homies book. I mean, I just wasn't all that concerned. <laughs> yeah. No offense to the talent involved. Like, they put together exactly... If you are familiar with this property, this book is kind of exactly what I expected it to be. Um, it It's not bad, but it's not something I had any interest in reading. Listen, pendejo, okay? Pendejo, you fucking... Oh, man. It's... um. So, first of all, let's talk about the art. The art in this book is super stylized. You, you um, know what? It, it kind of almost reminded me of like someone cut paper out and kept layering it and layering it, and that's how they came up with the characters almost. <laughs> like I, I swear to God, like because it looked like the noses were so heavily shadowed, they looked like a separate piece of a face pasted on top. Like it, it didn't. A lot of this book didn't necessarily look human it, it it was very over stylized as dan was saying yeah it, it is super exaggerated and you're right i didn't notice that about the noses but i'm looking at the book now and yeah they almost look like they've been pasted on to like every single character um but i think that's that's sort of in keeping with the way that the toy looked the toys were very you know angular and they were very stylized as well this book more stylized than the toys ever looked but uh but this is the story of, uh, I, I suppose you could argue, the two main characters in the homies' uh, mythology, in the canon of the homies' world. <laughs> the uh, Hollywood and uh, Gata are fucking getting married. And they're, they're getting married, and all of the homies are there getting up to some shenanigans. Uh, Loco, the big fucker, is there. Like, Hollywood's right-hand man is there, and he's, like, trying to make sure shit is going right. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, um, fucking innuendo that something happened at the bachelor party, but we don't know what at Hollywood's bed, because here's what you have to understand about Hollywood. He was kind of a sleazebag in the, uh, apparently. He was a man whore. He, he was a man whore. He, it, it, at one point, his bride to be. Uh, Gata gets up there and says, you know, uh, he was the type to hit it and quit it. Which is a phrase that I have not read in, I don't think ever, but certainly not a phrase that I have heard in a very, very long time. I don't think motherfuckers go around saying hit it and quit it anymore. No. Um, no. 
I don't I don't know what they say anymore because like I'm a grown man and I'm married, so I'm just like I just don't have those conversations with people anymore. And I'm really happy about that, by the way. Well, like, you, I mean, you, you're, you're not like 17. Yeah, no, it's like fucking being young sucks, dude. Like, I mean, I just had my birthday last week, but like, and I'm going to stop counting now. Like, I'm good with where I am, but like, fuck, man. Anyway, so there's some innuendo that uh, that some shit went on at the bachelor party. Hollywood doesn't remember because he got really trashed. Uh, so we, we fast forward a little bit. Uh, the little kid who was supposed to, uh, be the ring bearer tries to go hawk both of the rings at the fucking pawn shop, which happens to be right next to the church that they're getting married in. Uh, he tries to, to sell both of the wedding rings so that, uh, he can get an iPad. So that's fucking what cool. What a shitbag <laughs> move for a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking little piece of shit. This can't even see his eyes. He's got his beanie pulled down all over his eyes. Looks fucking dope, though. Like, the suit looks pretty good. Um, the pawn, like, so the wedding fucking falls apart. They're sitting there. The priest gets to the, uh, you know, if if, if anybody has uh, any reason that these two people should not be married, speak now or forever hold your fucking peace. And everybody holds up their phones. And Gata just fucking goes off on her shit. And she's like, no matter what happened before, it, it doesn't matter what came before what comes after this moment is what's important, which was actually a really, like, touching and sweet moment in this book. The writing's good in this... Well, the writing's, like, halfway decent in this book. I'm not going to say it's all the way good, but, like, it's it's mainly just about them getting married, the entire thing. So, I, you know, from a standpoint of you're hoping just for more hijinks, there's not really many to be found besides the kid trying yeah. to sell rings for an iPad. But... Oh, and the caterer getting busted. He yeah, gets yeah, by the, by, police, so by the cool. INS. That that was kind of funny. <laughs> so that's fun because he's got undocumented workers working for him. So that you know, <laughs> immigration jokes. That's funny, um, man. But like, you know, you know how like Carlos Mencia was fucking hysterical for like a minute. Yeah, that's when this book should have come out during that minute yes. that Carlos Mencia was hysterical. This is like. Mina Mencia is on Comedy Central. And everybody's da, da, da. Like, yeah, everybody thinks that's still funny. This book would have sold like fucking hotcakes. But now, uh, man, like I just, I really don't know who the audience is for this book. There, there is, Be- look, there is no audience, man. I mean, I remember <laughs> homies growing up, but I was a kid. Like when I saw that, when we all saw this book on the list, it was like, oh, that. I remember that. But no one was like, oh, that, this is going to be a great book. None of us thought this was going to be a great book. Yeah, the only no, reason we no. read this was because we knew it was going to be sort of a train wreck. Actually, I get it, give it credit for being better than I thought it would be. Oh, so much better than I thought yes. it was going to be. Yes. Still wouldn't recommend that you pick it up. It's still a pass, I think. Even if you were a diehard fan of the homies, I think this is still a pain. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think the art is definitely a big turnoff, and the writing just can't make up for it. The writing's yeah. okay, but again, it's not great. There's no redeeming factor to this book. I mean, I, you're trying to add life to characters that were 25-cent prizes in a gumball machine. <laughs> It doesn't work. You're trying really hard, and I give you an A for effort, man. But yeah. besides that, just pack it in. This ain't making it past issue three. No, it's not. But that being said, like, so we're both saying pass on this book. But that being said, did you read the preview for next issue? 
I saw a wrestler. I saw a luchador. There's luchadors, so I'm going to at least read the next issue because Macho Mascara and El Diablo fucking luchador character. Like, I'm in. I have to read that. The Macho Mask and the Demon? Fucking come on, man. No, I have true, to see, true, true. I have to see what happens. So, unfor- I mean, unfortunately, like I said, even if you were a huge fan of the homies, I still think, you know, we still think that this book is a pass. Everybody's trying real hard, but it, like, I mean, that that perfectly sums it up, Dean. Like, you, you're trying to give life to 25-cent prizes from a gumball machine. Like, what? <laughs> That's like me being like, oh, this is my green bouncy ball. His name is Brock, <laughs> and His he is, is a stay-at-home dad, and he <laughs> loves loves to paint miniature uh, war, war, uh, uh, Civil War figures. And, uh, you, you know, like, it, it just it doesn't oh, work, God. man. You know? Buck sounds fucking rich. No, actually, I want to read that book. Buck sounds fucking riveting. <laughs> Dude. He wears horn brim glasses, too, just so you know. (laughs) Well, naturally. (laughs) If fucking Son of Zorn could be on Fox, which what a festering pile of shit that show is. Did you actually watch it? Because I was thinking about it, and I I held off. It was fucking horrendously awful. Like, the idea of a cartoon character, like, barbarian, Thundar, He-Man kind of looking guy. He-Man, who we'll talk about in a few minutes. Mm. Um fathering a child with an actual suburban housewife in California and like it's fucking stupid like I it is stupid but I thought maybe the show might be there might be a no it's no just no don't anyway son of Zorn big fan of the show but fuck yourself uh next book we're gonna talk about is death of Hawkman number one of six out this week from DC Comics written by Mark Andreco with art by Aaron Lepresti. Two guys who I really, really like. I like a, a lot of their work. Uh, this book tells the story, or presumably from the title, unless they're burying the lead somehow, of the death of the current Hawkman. And Hawkman is a character that has always sort of had books, but they've never been... A real big success. Well, like even, I mean, people love the Jeff Johns run on it. But he's Jeff Johns. Everything he writes is Jones. gold. Yeah, like that. That's the thing. Whatever Jeff Johns writes is great. His Hawkman run is awesome. Like, go pick up his Hawkman run. Well, but uh, Hawkman has never sustained a book outside of that. Yeah, I, I mean, he's always been sort of on the outside of the the Justice League. Like, he's like, oh, one of those characters you can kind of throw in sort of like the Martian Manhunter. Like, yeah, it's it's Superman, Batman, Aquaman, The Flash, Wonder Woman, and then Hawkman, or and then Martian guy. Manhunter, or then who is now Cyborg. I feel like Cyborg's yeah. that new sidekick that they need to, like, he's just that extra guy. You need to fill out the team, which yeah. I, Hawkman can be more, which you've said is possible because someone has written him well. But, yeah, you know, I don't think DC Brass cares enough about the character to give him to someone who's going to put in the time to write something super great. I'm not saying that yeah. there's not good stuff out there, but I'm just saying that there's probably more lackluster things than there are that's like platinum. Yeah, I, I would agree with that entirely. Plus, on top of that, the actual like canon and backstory of Hawkman is so goddamn convoluted and just, it's insane. And who knows what they've actually kept 
here in the Rebirth universe, I guess is what we're calling it. In you know, in the DC Rebirth, who yeah. knows what has come before and like what is stay because it, it really doesn't matter. We're about to fucking kill him off anyway. So, book starts off with Hawkman and Adam Strange uh, hanging out together. They're in the middle of a war. Now, what's important about that is Hawkman is from the planet uh, Thanagar, and Adam Strange defends the planet Ran, and. Ran and Thangar have been at war with each other for years and years and years. There's there's a really great series, the Ran Thangar War, that is just excellent storytelling involving these two characters, Adam Strange and Hawkman. So they're warring factions in outer space. Hawkman is an alien um, from this planet, and so to see these two together, they're in the middle of a fight. I was automatically invested in it because okay, why are these two together? Like I think. I really like both of these characters. <clears throat> I'm kind of more drawn to the weirder shit that DC puts out anyway. Um, you know, Superman and Batman are great. Flash is awesome. But I like these sorts of characters that DC has, the ones that don't get the spotlight. So we get this this opening panel of the two of them talking and Hawkman's being a super badass warrior, just like yanking arrows out of his fucking shoulder and his ribs. And Adam Strange is about to puke. And all of a sudden, we hear some noises, and Adam Strange pops up, and he's looking over this destroyed building, and boom, we cut back to him being on Earth. So, right in the middle of this opening, a relatively enticing, gripping opening scene, we're thrust back to the backstory of Adam Strange and who this guy is, right? So, yeah. good, good storytelling if you don't know who Adam Strange is, but that's then the rest of this book is just who Adam Strange is. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like this book, uh, the rest of this book could have been told in a page or two. It's not to say it's not good, but it felt really stretched out, and I'm not really sure why they did it this way. No, I mean, you're right. I We spent <clears throat> fucking, had to be 10 pages concerned with where a beam is going, and then all of a sudden doesn't fucking matter anyway because he just gets beamed up randomly. Yeah, like so. So that's the story. A Adam Strange's wife is on the planet Ran. Uh, he married a a Ranian, I guess is how you would say it. Um, so she's up there with her dad, and the way they call Adam Strange up is they have this beam, the Zeta beam that they shoot down, and it beams him back up to the planet Ran. And they shoot the the Zeta beam down, and it starts hitting random different spots and and it hits um it hits coast city it hits well before that as they're shooting the beam down uh two Than thanagarians two hawk people show up and they're fucking suicide bombers like they have dynamite strapped to their chest which i outer space i think you would come up with something better than dynamite but no these fuckers strathed are there loaded for fucking bear with dynamite hawk vests people on. love dynamite man <laughs> oh well that i for see i forgot in the convoluted backstory of all the different iterations of Hawkman, that has always been the constant, his love of dynamite. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> How silly of me to have fucking forgotten You that. silly bitch. I mean, I, I, there's only so much I can keep up top. You <laughs> no, know? that's all right. I'll give you a pass. It's fine. All right. Thank you. So uh, the suicide bombers show up. They fucking blow up uh, Hawkman's wife. We don't know if she's dead. If I had to bet dollars to donuts, she's not, but her dad is. 
Um, we'll find out, I suppose, in the rest of it. And as uh, as he's looking around, as Adam Strange is looking, because he's an archaeologist, so he starts studying things, uh, we see that the, the Zeta Beams are hitting Coast City, which is the home of Green Lantern, uh, St. Roach, or Roke, where I don't know who that is. I was assuming Sergeant Rock. Maybe. Uh, that would be a weird choice, I guess, but... Well, because it, it said it looked like it said Saint Rock, or I I, I don't know. I, if did it say Roach or R O C H? It's R O C H. Okay, I thought it was R O C K. Okay, so that makes less sense then. Fuck me, I'm I, stupid. No, it, it very well still might be Sergeant Rock, and we could look this up, but we're not going to. Nah, that's Matt's job, and he's not here. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, so it hits Coast City, Saint Rock, uh, Metropolis, the home of Superman, uh, Gotham City, the home of Batgirl, and New York City. Because, because why not? The home of Marvel Comics. Home of Grace Papaya. <laughs> the home of fucking... Jesus, Grace Papaya reference. Fucking nobody outside of the Northeast got that reference, but I did, and that's okay. <laughs> Good. Um, also, what I found really interesting about this map here that we're looking at is that Coast City is on the coast, the West Coast. Uh, Gotham City looks like it's in, I don't know, New Jersey, and Metropolis appears to be in like north carolina maybe maryland yeah, yeah i like, guess this is like the first time we've really had a look at this also um guess who's from saint roach who hawkman is he yes no shit. well there you go there you go right. that that's that's why it's on there <laughs> makes sense now good thing we know so much about him <laughs> we do but like now i had always assumed that that Gotham City was the analog to New York, and Metropolis was the analog to Chicago. Because Clark Kent goes from Kansas up to the big city, and I don't think that they meant the big city to be Kansas City. <laughs> I mean, not that maybe, big. Maybe they did. I the creator, like one of the creators of Super. Well, I mean, they were both from Ohio, from Cleveland, more specifically. Eventually, but one of them grew up in Canada. So, I mean, I suppose you could argue that Cleveland would be the other destination, but it's certainly not on the East Coast, and it's certainly not like in the southern half of the East Coast. That I thought was strange. Um. Anyway, so that's where the Zeta beams are hitting. Uh. Fucking. Adam Strange goes and talks to Cyborg. Uh, and then he starts getting bumped around to all the different places where it hit. And uh, he goes and talks to some people at LexCorp. He's flashing his uh, Justice League ID badge. And people are like, well, no, I never heard of him. But if you say he's the fucking guy that just... All right, come on in, dude. And, you know, there's kind of an eye-rolling moment there, which was a, a bit of levity in a book. But he finds out nothing. He finds out absolutely nothing. And then, boom, he gets zapped up there. He says, finally. And he gets home and shit has gone to pot. It's in the middle of a war. And that's that's the that's whole book. book. That Like, man, that could have been done in two pages. Maybe they really needed this to be six issues and not four. <laughs> like, I... Because <sighs> I want to say pick this book up. The writing is good. The art is great. I love Aaron Lepresti's art. I think he's awesome. Um, I think Mark Andreco is a great writer, but I, I can't recommend picking up this issue. I I don't think in a six issue limited series, starting from Jump, I don't think there was anything in this issue that you needed to read. 
yeah, no, I, I mean, I think Hawkman is one of those characters where it would take someone really, really great with writing to make him relevant, and it would only be short-lived. Uh, you know, Scott Snyder wrote magic on Swamp Thing. Uh, he's, I mean, obviously he's doing great stuff with All-Star Batman. Uh, right. He did stuff with that before for regular Batman. Yeah. Jeff Johns made Green Lantern fucking relevant again. He made Aquaman badass, but it takes that certain person to really get it to that level. You can't just start, like okay and then hope for people to read it you really have to come out with a bang and this isn't really the bang that i think people are gonna want so uh, yeah no. I, I don't know if really anyone's gonna read this i guess diehard fans of hawkman all four of you go ahead and read this if you like but <laughs> buy the shit out of this book i think this is going to get much better i would hope so i i didn't um, think it was terrible but it wasn't really exciting no it it's not a bad issue but as a number one issue to a storyline called the death of hawkman there is a decided lack of hawkman in this issue it is an adam strange book and one that like i said could have been done in in two or three pages max so i mean i would say pass on this one but probably buy issue two and just read just the recap check. page yeah I, I i would see if you can you know maybe get more Haw if there's more hawkman it would probably be better because hawkman himself or how the way they were writing him when the new 52 came out he was kind of badass man he gave yeah, no fucks he was he was an angry son of a bitch and then they gave him the rob liefeld that was that uh, yeah so, he fucked up a lot of things uh, he really does anyway so pass on both of uh from both of us right yes okay so now let's get to some books that i know at least one of us is going to recommend um that's going to be me. Spoilers. It, it depends what you say. I don't know. He-Man Thundercats number one. Now, I have to preface this by saying as a child of the 80s, this is so much in my fucking wheelhouse. This, is, this hits me right in the nostalgia, especially because out of the big four properties of 80s action cartoons for boys, he-Man, Thundercats, G.I. Joe, and Transformers. He-Man, that was my shit. I fucking loved He-Man and still do to this day way more than a grown man probably should. But this book, uh, which was... Oh, I'm getting there. Um, this book, which was written by Rob David and Lloyd Goldfine and drawn by Freddie Williams, combines the universes of He-Man and the Thundercats in a way that sort of worked organically and made sense, right? For those of you who don't know, the main bad guy of the Thundercats is Mumra the Ever-Living. He is this decrepit old fucking mummy. Yeah. And he transforms into this giant fuck-off demon-looking monster by calling upon the ancient spirits of evil. They are trapped in this badass-looking black pyramid. Um, you know, he goes in and he's like, give me the fucking power so I can transform. And he transforms into this big-ass dude. And he goes off to fight the Thundercats. And every week, he got his ass kicked by fucking Lino and the rest of the Thundercats. And it was badass. Lino has the Sword of Omens, this really cool fucking sword that he can look through. And it has the Eye of Thundera in it. Magical powers, all that good shit. Very magic. So... This time, Mumra goes in and he says, you know, oh, spirits of evil, 
give me the power so that I can transform and they're like, actually go fuck yourself. You sh your plans suck pretty much, which I thought was awesome. Like if you think about it, if you keep going to these guys and you're like, I swear I'm going to get them this time, boss. Just fucking give me one more chance. I swear I'm going to get the, those dirty Thundercats. And they're like, nah, son, your plans are shit. We're, we figured it out. This is what you're going to go do. There's this, there's this world that's only been told about in stories and rumors and fucking hearsay and word around the campfires. There is this place called Eternia. And on Eternia, there is the great sword, the sword of power, which they're talking about fucking He-Man's sword. And they're like, you're going to go to Eternia. We're going to mash our world in a very uh, in a very DC sort of way. We're going to mash both of these worlds together. Um, I suppose Marvel, too. I was going to say, gonna this be... is more recently Marvel. Yeah, more recently Marvel. It's uh, in a cataclysm-like event. Captain America is going to show up and fucking be there with the new Avengers and the Illuminati. It's mm -hmm. going to be awesome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> we're going to smash the two worlds together, and you are going to go to Eternia, and you are going to steal the fucking power sword. You're going to steal the sword of Grayskull. And that's what you're going to use to defeat Lino. And he's like, all right, fucking sweet. I suppose so. So then we cut over to, uh, to Eternia and Prince Adam, who is He-Man, spoilers, uh, is being his normal doofy self like he never shows up on time. He's kind of clumsy and he's kind of awkward and he's the prince and his dad, King Radner, is like, uh, could you maybe stop being such a little shit dick because I want you to be king one day but you kind of suck at You gotta wake the fuck up on time, do. kid! Yeah, like, he was, they had a whole ceremony in his honor, and he shows up fucking 15 minutes late, and all the, all the Masters of the Universe characters are there, fucking, tri or fucking Manny Faces, who was like my favorite when I was a kid, the, he's got a human face, he's got a robot face, he's got a monster face, how could you not fucking love it? Brilliant. Anyway, so they're all there, and they're talking, and, uh, his dad's like, well, son, you're a big, giant fuck-off disappointment. I wish uh, I wish your mother would have swallowed you, pretty much, is kind of how That's nice. the conversation goes with his dad. You know, I, I should have had a daughter. You are a piece of shit. And the whole time he's talking to him, Prince Adam's looking at him like with that fucking, man, I just want to tell you I'm He-Man so that you'll love me, dad. Like... I'm really fucking awesome, actually, but I have a big secret, and you just don't know about it. Which is kind of how Prince Adam talked all the time, too. And as they're talking, boom, the two worlds fucking smash together. So shit starts happening. There's earthquakes on, um, on Third Earth, which is where the Thundercats are. There's earthquakes happening on fucking Eternia. And He-Man jumps in. He Actually, Prince Adam gets to have a hero moment. His dad is the king, is looking out over the precipice of his land as it's fallen to shit and he falls into the fucking water and Prince Adam jumps in and pulls him back out. And after he pulls him out, he's about to change into He-Man. You know, he's got his hand on the sword by the power of Grayskull, about to do the whole thing. And the sorceress who lives at Castle Grayskull shows up and says, nah, don't fucking like, no, bad idea. Give me the sword. Give me the sword. I'm I got go, it. No problem. I'm going to, I'm going to go stick it in the chambers. Take care of it. In fucking Grayskull. This, some dude's coming to get it. He's really bad, trust me. And Adam's, okay, here you go. I know I'm the most powerful man in the universe, but here, take the source of my power. And boom, turns out it's fucking Moomra, and he stabs him through the fucking chest. Not gonna lie, even I was surprised <laughs> as fuck, and I was like, damn! Like, like not, not stabs him, like, in the chest, 
through, through the yeah, oh, chest. Yeah, like you can see sword, sword on the other side. All the way fucking through. And I was like, oh, shit. Never, never would I expect to fucking see that in a He-Man or Thundercats book. While that's going on, the Thundercats are getting ready for fucking battle. They're talking about some shit. Um, Moomra reveals himself to be, you know, this fucking giant monster. And uh, as as the sword is sitting in Prince Adam, he grabs the sword and still does the, uh, you know, Moomra's like, do you have any last words? And he's like, yeah, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power. Fucker! And turns into He-Man <laughs> That's pretty much happened, is how yeah. that went. Yeah. Which was such an awesome moment, like, because the text is so super small that you know he's just whispering it like, Aw, oh, shit, son, I got something for you. Just wait a fucking second. I'm about to get fucking swole like you wouldn't even believe. <laughs> so he fucking, him turns, fucking face. He t- turns into He-Man, starts beating the shit out of him, and uh, Moomra uses his fucking magic uh, to, to teleport away. And as he teleports away, he teleports back to the pyramid, and as he gets there, the masters of evil are fucking talking some shit. And, you know, these ancient dark spirits are like, yes, you can do whatever you want with him. You know, live up to your end of the bargain. And boom, magic spell comes out of left field. Mumra is gone and fucking Skeletor is sitting there with He-Man's sword. And it says, you know, at the bottom of the page, next, the most powerful man in the universe. And I was like, all my yep. money, fucking take it. Yep. Take all my fucking money. God damn it. I loved loved this book pretty dope it was loved a dope book it. man i gotta i gotta say i was i was impressed like i think this book was good enough to even if you were not a hardcore fan of these characters like i happen to be i think this was a fucking dope book i don't know that you will enjoy it nearly as much if you don't have the nostalgia factor but there's a lot of us from the 80s who were still reading fucking comics man and this shit was so good like they treated it with respect because fucking make no mistake i know as much as I love He-Man, I understand how shitty the fucking cartoon actually was. The voice acting was terrible. The animation was garbage. I, like, the, uh, the stories themselves were pretty shit most of the time, but still I fucking loved it. And this, they're actually treating it with respect. I think it was a good book. I mean, I've never really had any sort of feelings towards He-Man or uh, the Thundercats because it was just a little past. I've always been a Transformers guy myself because robots. I like robots. Well, because robots, yeah. Um, But I read this, and like, I, I still enjoyed it. I mean, I've actually enjoyed most of the, D, uh, the DC stuff for He-Man that they've put out. Nothing's been bad or, mm-hmm. like, just not well written it's all been pretty well written and i mean the art is always constant with dc because you just have a very large uh group of artists to to pick for these sort of books and uh, yeah i mean dc stuff is always on point as far as art goes the only thing i can really go bad is the writing and i mean it was it was on point so i would i would read another issue for this it's a fucking cool story the art was good man definitely pick this book up like the highest of recommendations especially if you are 30 or above, this shit is fucking for you. Like, that's who this book was written for. If you're under 30, you may have a bit of a hard time unless you caught some of this shit in reruns or you were fans of the rebooted, like, Cartoon Network did a fucking Thundercats series that was actually pretty dope. Um, about five, oh, longer than five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, they did a rebooted Thundercats that was pretty sweet. There was a rebooted He-Man as well that was pretty cool. 
Um, this is ob- this is the original characters, but still, same basic idea. I mean, fucking fucking pick this book up. So, now let me ask you a question about our next book, Dean. Sure. We had on the docket for this week Godzilla Rage Against Time number two. Yeah, we did. Did you go back and read Rage Against Time number one? No, I didn't. You should. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because Be- I like I'm not going to spoil anything, but I was pretty impressed with this book. I like this book a lot. I'm normally not a fan of the Godzilla books in general, but this is pretty fucking cool. Let me let me give you a, a quick recap of Godzilla uh, Rage Against Time number one. Shoot, tell me. It it takes place in feudal Japan. It starts off with a samurai and a ninja fucking fighting each other. This this is feudal Japan 1274. So it was a bit ago. Um, this fucking <laughs> the the Mongol horde is coming to invade Japan, and they have subjugated the ancient monsters Gigan and Megalon. Fuck, really? That's dope. So fucking Gigan with the, uh, with the saw blade hands, in the chest yeah. um, and the hook hands, and Rodan with the fucking saw hands and the no, fucking not Rodan, energy thing. Gigan, get it right. Or Ga- sorry, Megalon, Megalon with the fucking. There you go, yeah. With the uh, with the energy beam coming out of the Rodan's head and the fucking drill hands, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, they have been subjugated by the Mongol horde, and that is who they are bringing to fucking attack Japan. This uh, this fucking like priest dude shows up, and he's like, "All right, you need to go on a quest. You need to go to this mountain, and you need to get this fucking ancient relic of power, and you need to bring." this thing back and you're going to fight and you're like, oh shit, they're going to get Godzilla. That's fucking awesome. But they're not going to get Godzilla when they show up at this fucking ancient temple. It is fucking Orochi, the eight-headed fucking dragon serpent. Oh, we talked about that. That I just put my plus 297 into and puzzle and dragons, (laughs) goddammit. I just fucking hypermaxed Orochi. Yeah, he fucking shows up in the book and I was like, oh shit, that's fucking awesome. So, yay, puzzle and dragons as well. Um, but they come out there and, uh, they, they have to go like fucking samurai dude goes in and these like twin spirits who might be Izanagi and Izanami. I'm not entirely sure. I don't, my, my Japanese mythology is not up to snuff as it were. Um, it might be those two might not be, uh, they lead the samurai in. they give him this like ancient relic that will let him control Orochi so that Orochi can go fight Gigan and Megalon. And as, as he comes back out, he's like, ah, oh, sweet, dude, I got the fucking thing. We're going to go control Orochi. Boom, Godzilla shows up and just fucking kills Orochi. And it's like, oh, Jesus. Shit. God damn. I was going to use him. I, that was, I was going to do a thing. You fucking dick. So, like, as that part happens, boom, we cut to the present day in Hakata Bay in Japan. There's two researchers, and they're like, look, there was this story that during this big, great fight, a typhoon came in and destroyed and that's but I don't fucking believe that it was a typhoon and they go down and they dive and they see that there's this battleship this ancient fucking wooden battleship that's been preserved at the bottom of the ocean and the only thing that could preserve a ship that long is if it was burnt to a crisp and basically petrified in the moment of its destruction right so and he says the only thing that could have done that is Godzilla cut back to ancient Japan Godzilla fucking, and like, by the way, 
this book is colored and drawn so that it all looks like ancient Japanese woodcuts. Oh, that's fucking dope. It's fucking dope. It looks so good because the writer and art artist on this book is different than Godzilla Rage Against Time number two. So it's going to have an individual team for each book. Okay, I got I to gotta um, check out the first one then. You, you, you sold was, me it was, on it. It was so fucking good. So Godzilla fucking kills Orochi, comes back. They're all pissed. They're like, <laughs> they're like, well, shit, what do we do now? And the samurai dude's like, don't worry. Or no, the ninja says, don't worry. Basically, I got this. Pulls out a flaming arrow and shoots him in the eye. And they're like, you're going to piss him off? He's like, yeah. So he chases us. And they fucking run. They run back to where Keegan and Megalon are. Godzilla gets there. They fight. And they're like, all right, shit. Godzilla won. You know, spoilers. Fucking Godzilla wins. He destroys both of them. And uh, they're like, oh, shit. I hope he doesn't turn his attention to us. And that's where the book ends. And I was like, fucking, fucking sweet. Dope. Yeah. That was awesome. So now Godzilla Rage Against Time number two, or Rage Across Time, I'm sorry. Rage Across Time number two is the book that came out this week. And this one deals with Godzilla fighting the ancient Greek gods. Now, if you need more than that, to buy this Yeah, you book. should go buy it right now. Just th you stop the <laughs> podcast, go out, go buy it. Like, if if the description of Godzilla fights Zeus is not enough to get you to pick up this book, then you hate fun. I think is you are a curmudgeon. You're that shitty person at parties that's like, I don't know, maybe we're making too much noise. Do you think the neighbors are going to mind? Like, you're that fucking guy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that sucks for you. Don't be that guy. Enjoy fun. So uh, this book written by Chris Mowry and Khalil Schweitzer. Art by Todd Tad Galusha. Um, pretty much starts with the, the ancient Greeks are having a big fucking battle. And Godzilla is just wrecking their ships. He's destroying shit. And the Greek gods are getting together and they're talking. And they're like, hey. So here's this big fucking fight. Hermes comes up. He tells all the gods, hey, there's... Humans, they're down there, they're fucking killing each other. And uh, Ares is like, that's weird. They're fucking killing each other. Nobody's praying to me. That's some old bullshit. Aphrodite says, well, nobody's praying to me. That's some old bullshit. Poseidon shows up, and he's like, uh, or not Poseidon, fucking Azir, uh, I guess, in this. Uh, did they say Poseidon? They say it was Poseidon that was going to go check it out. It was okay. So they say Poseidon. Yeah, well, he, um, he he like pops out of his fucking pool or whatever, just hanging out. He he's like, "Worry not, I have this." And he goes <laughs> runs off, and Zeus is like, "You dumb bitch, what are you doing, man? Like, what the fuck, <laughs> you motherfucker." <laughs> so he goes off. He goes to check it out, and uh, he's he, yeah, pretty much. He's like, "Ah, eh, I got this. No, no worries." Uh, he pops down. He sees that they're having a big uh, sea battle as he's going to check it out. The rest of them are talking, and, and they're kind of calling Zeus on his shit, and they're like, dude, you know, you're getting all pissed off that nobody's praying to you or worshiping to you anymore, but what have you given them? You know, like, we are their gods, but what have we actually given them? We haven't done shit. And he's like, ah, they should fucking love me because they should love me because I'm Zeus. Bitches love gods. <laughs> Bitches love gods. I'm fucking, look at, look at my pecs. <laughs> look at my abs. Fucking, I've... I'm 6,000 years old, and I look goddamn good. <laughs> I look goddamn good for my age. So uh, Poseidon goes down, and he's like, what the fuck have you guys gotten into this time? Oh, shit, there's Godzilla. Pops up out of the fucking water and kills Poseidon. Just fucking wrecks him. Like, Poseidon goes to, like, stab him with his trident, and Godzilla just kind of looks at him like, 
uh, bitch, please. For real. Have you seen how big I yeah, am? Yeah, I think his last big move after that is uh, summon up a huge tidal wave to try and drown him. And uh, joke's on him because Godzilla loves water. Yeah, Godzilla, that's where he lives. That's what, That's his house. You tried to kill him. with. It's like trying to kill a human with oxygen. <laughs> like, oh, you're going to breathe. Like, oh, shit. All right. That's cool. <laughs> I, thanks, man. Breathe harder. <laughs> breathe, breathe, motherfucker. So... All the gods are like, oh shit, what is this giant thing? And they all start fucking fighting. And uh, this uh, this red one that shows up, is this... That that was just one of the titans. That wasn't... um. Oh, fuck. Wait, that's the, not the monster that they summon? Yeah. That was the Hydra. That's ju- It's just the Hydra, right? Okay. Because yes. this one, to be fair, I read while I was trying to like put the kids to sleep and brushing teeth all at the same time, too. And, and Nana and Granddad called... <laughs> there was a lot of commotion Fair enough. Fair at, enough. at the Ryan household. Um, so they're all fighting. Zeus is kind of the only one left standing. He comes in, shoots a big-ass lightning bolt at Godzilla, and Godzilla basically just fucks him up. Um, oh, all right. Well, hang on. Hang, well, hang on a sec. You're, you're, you're skipping mean, a little bit here. Like, okay. Eventually he gets him. But, yeah, it seems that he fucked Godzilla up pretty hard and, like, I think put him in the ground or something. And Zeus's powers are depleted. He's done. So, like, months after this, he starts writing what I could only imagine as being his memoirs and saying that, you know, I I fucked up by not listening to the gods and stuff and now I have to live amongst the people because uh, I, I don't have any power left and I need to listen to them to maybe even have a chance of getting my power back. Uh, but I defeated the monster, and then all of a sudden, you see this huge blast come in his face, and it's apparently uh, Pompeii just exploding all over the yep. place. But turns out it was probably Godzilla. Yep. Which is fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. The, the, like, the, the book was fucking great. Godzilla caused Pompeii. They find a piece of paper that happens to have survived for, you know... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of this drawing. Because comic books. This drawing of fucking Godzilla. And next, uh, the next stop along the Godzilla raging against history is England in 1348. So Godzilla will be their dragons. I'm hoping it it is about King Arthur and the fucking knights. Like, that is what I want to see. Oh, that'd be dope as fuck. Or the Crusades. The Crusades against fucking Godzilla. What a great idea yeah, for a book. That like he would be the perfect dragon. Oh my god, he really would be. Like this is an awesome awesome idea for a series. Please pick this book up. Like they have been doing some really really excellent work with Godzilla comics lately. They you know, I feel like Godzilla comics are throw it against the wall and see what sticks because not everything they make is great. But the stuff that is great is really great because they just try every fucking idea. Because Godzilla is one of those things that it's it's not 
always going to be perfect. You know, Godzilla's not a character with a thought process or anything. He's a monster. So yeah. having a book based around a monster is difficult. You need to have supporting characters that are going to describe, you know, this this beast and what they're doing to stop it or what he's doing. Everything has to be told uh, from a third-person perspective because what are you going to do from the monster? I'm hungry. There's a bad guy. I'm going to fuck him up. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, there's not much going through his head. So having good uh, narration is key to these books. And while it's not always on point, this book, what it sounds like, is going to be a fantastic uh, series for a while. Yeah, it was fucking great. Pick up this, pick up issue number one. This is the kind of thing, like, talk about it, share shit on social media. This is the type of stuff you want to encourage companies to do. Like, take these risks. These are the risks that are worth it. You know, fucking, I want, I want this as a movie. I fucking do it. Like, I loved it. I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. But all that being said, as much as I loved those books, as much as I loved, you know, fucking both Godzilla books that we read, not my favorite book of the week. And what's, what's your favorite book, Dan? My favorite book of the week is a long time coming. This book has been apparently done for years, and they've been waiting for the right time to release it. And with the recent, uh, and I haven't even watched even a second of the new Luke Cage series that is out on Netflix. I'm starting that tomorrow night. I just finished Stranger Things I, because uh, I am. I finished Luke Cage, and it's it's everything I've ever wanted. Oh god damn it! Oh, my the fucking hype is real. Dude, it's it's like Shaft and Daredevil had a baby. Oh my god! Stop fucking talking about it. Stop! <laughs> I gotta go to work tomorrow. I apologize. Tomorrow. I apologize. I I chose to watch uh, Stranger Things before Luke Cage because I was behind well, the curve I, on well Stranger you should. Things. Stranger Things is a great fucking book. I a movie. It was I, it was good. <laughs> it was good. It was two episodes too long. I got kind of bored in the middle of it. Uh, I well, you know, it's it's. Not really like a tried and true formula like the Marvel stuff. It was something new, and I mean, I, I really enjoyed what they came out with. I really liked it. I'm really excited and hopeful that there is a season two because I do want to oh, see what no, happens No, there, going there is forward. a season two. They already announced it, and they came out Good. with the title list already. Nice. All right. That's awesome. So I'm fucking stoked about that. Stranger Things. I Yeah. Like, you need us to tell you in October that the show of the summer <laughs> was pretty good. Um, but, of course, we are talking about now... Marvel Now, number one, Cage, by fucking Jendi Tartakovsky. Why don't you uh, tell people who he is for the, the masses that don't know? Dexter's Lab, Samurai Jack. Can't get much better than that. You can't teach that. <laughs> you fucking can't. Like, I adore Samurai Jack to a level that is is uncomfortable to talk about at times. That is how much I love that shit. Dexter's Lab, also an incredible show. Jendi Tartakovsky is such an, an interesting voice in in animation, in comics, in, in the things that he has done. Um, he also did... Um, he's probably more, more famously known now um, for the Hotel Transylvania movies, which are the best two Adam Sandler movies that there have ever been. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if you've seen... Have you seen either of those? Dean? I have not, because I do not have children. Okay, well, I have children, and they were like, we want to go see the fucking hotel. I was like, really? 
Adam Sandler, but it's Jenny Tartakovsky, and they were fucking great. They were awesome. They looked really cool. Well, that's what happened He's, when Adam Sandler doesn't direct the movie. Well, yeah, that's that's a very good uh, that's a very good point. Um, Tartakovsky also worked on on he did work on Powerpuff Girls, um, and he also did the Star Wars Clone Wars. The guy was a um, staple for Cartoon Network in the yeah. mid to late nineties. Yeah, I like really the only thing he has done that did not really like take off was the symbionic titan show that he did which was still a really dope show um but he's got a really interesting voice he's got a really interesting visual style if you've seen dexter's lab or his clone wars or samurai jack especially um you kind of know what to expect and he wrote this luke cage book that takes place in the 70s and this is about as as much of a black exploitation film put onto a comic book page as you could possibly get. Oh, I 100% agree. And it was fucking awesome. Oh, yeah, it was dope. Dope as fuck. It was so, so fucking good. Like, this is Luke Cage with the big chain belt and the yellow shirt and the fucking tiara and the afro looking angular and big as fuck and god damn it like the story takes place in 1977 so like new york is a very different place in the 70s than new york is today like today new york is safe you can walk around times square in the 70s you walked around times square you were getting mugged at the very least you were lucky if you only got mugged like it was a shithole oh, it yeah. was an absolute mess of a fucking and now there's a toys r us or actually, no, didn't the Toys R Us shut down? Uh, well, now they bought Times out Square. SAO Sh- F- 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 FAO Schwartz. FAO Sh- Schwartz. And uh, I'm like, where'd you guys get the money from? Did you just close it? Oh, yeah. maybe that's what you oh, closed yeah. it for. Like, there's a Nintendo World store in Times Square. There is. Like, it's there's a tourist destination. Yeah. You know, but in the 70s, man, it was like porn theaters and fucking CDS places and fucking Club 54 and shit was all around. Anyway, so <laughs> this book starts off with the bank rollers robbing a bank and the bank rollers are three black dudes in fucking 70s disco jumpsuits and big fucking rerun from what's happening that's the hats that they're wearing and they're fucking on roller skates and they robbed a bank and it's fucking awesome and like they come out and luke cage just starts punching motherfuckers in the face and, like, all of the dialogue is dripping with, like, just 70s black exploitation funk in this book. This book is funky as shit in the best way possible. Um, God damn, like, I don't even know how to recommend this book other than to say just fucking buy this book. Like, what, what were your thoughts on this, Dean? Because oh, this is the perfect. Luke Cage like- I grew up with. Like, Luke Cage only got cool, like, in the early 2000s. For most of my life, he was a tiara-wearing motherfucker. Well, the Luke Cage we've read recently is not this Luke Cage. No. But I can appreciate this just because uh, Tartoski knew how to have fun with the title. Like, that that was the whole thing that made it cool was that he, he made jokes. I mean, there was a whole X-Men joke in there. I just fucking snickered. Like I couldn't help it. You know, it, yeah, it, was, it, it, it was just good. It, 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 he knew what he was working with and he made it his own. Like th- this is fan service in the 
best way possible. Oh, absolutely. Like, this is a fan-made book. The love of these characters in that time period and that style of storytelling is so evident on these pages. Like, the highest of recommendations. I mean, it involves fucking, like Dean said, it involves the X-Men are in this book, and I really want to see a Jendi Tartakovsky brown and yellow Wolverine book. Like, that's the Oh, that'd be really... He drew Wolverine really well, like the perfect cartoon version. Yeah, like a fucking... Just awesome. Like, they're looking... Scott Summers shows up, and he's looking for Jean Grey, and this was at the time period, like, where she had become the Dark Phoenix and then died. So they go to her old apartment, which is where Luke Cage's girlfriend, Misty Knight, lives now. <laughs> and he's like, Cyclops just blasts him out of the fucking window, which was just an awesome little moment. Um, but, you know, the uh, fucking a bunch of Luke Cage villains shows up. The ex, Chemistro, Mace, Black Mariah, and Mr. Fish, they all show, show up. There's a big-ass fight scene. Oh, God, it's just so good. The artwork is so great and so perfect for this type of thing. Um, the storytelling from panel to panel is, I mean, what else do you expect from, from Jendi Tartakovsky? It's fucking masterful. It is, it is love like you rarely see in comic books. The highest of recommendations. Yeah, a- absolutely. He, he definitely wanted to do this book. This wasn't, you know, someone, I mean, I'm sure they asked him to do it, but this was some something that he had to have had an interest in because the, the love and thought that he put into the story and the art and stuff, it just, it really just jumped out at you. So, so good. It's, it's like, it's a, it's very similar to the Power Man and Iron Fist book that is going on now, which is, I love that book. I think it's a great book. But if that book were set in the 70s, that it's very similar like in style and tone to that book. So if you're a fan of the current Power Man and Iron Fist book, please pick this up. It's got a great cliffhanger at the end of this issue. Like, boom, Luke Cage is fucking unbreakable, right? He gets... Or, or no, that's Kimmy Schmidt. Um, <laughs> Luke Cage, like, has... <laughs> 120-pound girl versus, like, a 300-pound black man. <laughs> Netflix. It's the fucking tie-in right there. Um, oh, God. <laughs> so, like, Luke Cage has the, the fucking unbreakable skin. He can't be, like, can't be hurt, can't be killed, that sort of thing. And boom, last page of this issue, he gets knocked the fuck out. And it's like, want to find out what happened next? God, yes, I do. Please make this happen soon. So, there you go. Fucking Cage, number one. In my mind, best book of the week. Better than better than Godzilla. That that is a big thing to say because Godzilla was big <sighs> shit. It really was better better than fucking better than homies. Let's, let's it put beats that out the there. shit out of homies. <laughs> <laughs> but see, like, and I thought that was interesting because I read homies first and I read Cage last. Bro, I, I you know what I I read homies first because I knew I was gonna want to get it out of the way. Right. And then I was like, man, that sucked. I really need something to cheer me up. And I read Cage after that because I I knew that that was at least gonna be fun to look at, but it was more than that. Like Cage really was what I think homies was going for. That kind of self-referential. Um, you know, making fun, but like a tongue-in-cheek fun, you know, not offensively doing it. Like, I, it, everything that the homies book should have been was what Luke Cage was. So, Agreed. fucking by Cage. Yes. By Cage number one. Mm-hmm. And that, my friends, is going to wrap up issue 104 of the Paper Cuts podcast. Announcer guy, 
tell them a few things. Thank you, Dan. Attention listeners. Did you know the Geekade crew are real people you can get in touch with? Did you also know you can keep track of what comes out on the fabulous Geekade website without even visiting it? Did you know that Dean irons his vest every hour on the hour to be prepared for anything? Wait, really? Well, you can keep in touch with Geekade by following them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and more. If that's not enough, you can also send them an email at mail at geekade.com. Be sure to check out the show notes to get all the links and more information on today's episode. Back to you, Dan. Thanks again, Announcer Guy, and once again, thank you for making it to the end of this here podcast. We really do appreciate it. When you're done listening, if you have a second, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher, where you can leave us a nice five-star rating and review. It's the easiest way to get more eyes and ears on the show, and it is absolutely free of charge. If you want to get a hold of any of us, you can always send us that mail at geekade.com. If you want to talk to any of us individually, you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow... Uh, Dean at Kimono underscore Vestlord. You can follow me at Geekadedan, and you can follow Matt at Geekade underscore Matt. Just Geekade Matt. There's no one. Oh, okay. Well, I I get confused. Sorry. Uh, Evan is Geekade underscore Evan. God damn it. Geekade Matt. So, Kimono underscore Vestlord, Geekade Matt, Geekade Dan. You can also follow our silent producer, editor, Evan. Geekade underscore Evan. And you can follow Ty Dillinger at WWE Dillinger on Twitter. <laughs> Please do. Perfect 10. Please do. Fucking <laughs> perfect 10. It's glorious. Join us again next week when we have a whole slew of new books to talk about. Until that time, for Evan Goldstein, for Matt Much, for Dean DeFalco, and for Dan Ryan, I am Dan Ryan. And see you.